Praise the Lord. I want you to take your Bibles and turn with me to the book of James, James chapter number one. We're going to begin a series of messages probably over the next several weeks um, out of the book of James. And what we're going to be doing through the book of James is looking at a practical Christianity. In other words, what does it mean to be a believer? Um, that walks by faith, lives by faith. So what are all of, what does all of that look like uh, as we consider our lives and consider where we are today? You know, not everyone who grows old grows up. <laughs> Boy, there's a lot of come on. <laughs> There's a whole lot of, yeah, I heard that, okay? How many fellas do we have in here still hadn't grown up? We still like all them toys. Yeah, there's hands all over the place. I'm sure the wives would go, yeah, they got more toys than I've got, okay? Can't leave the wives out, but how many of you wives have more toys than, no, we just want to go there, okay? You just, you've got them, okay? But oftentimes, you know, just because someone grows Older chronologically does not mean that they grow up and mature. And uh, matter of fact, I've heard people make this comment all the time. Well, yeah, they might be 55, but they've never grown up, okay? Uh, they're still a boy in a 55-year-old body, okay? Uh, whatever that may be. So let's talk about it as far as believers are concerned. How many of us? have grown old in our faith, but have never grown up in our faith? That's the question we have to answer. How many of us have grown old in our faith? In other words, many chronological years have gone by, but our spiritual maturity has not, has not grown at all. You see, there is a big difference between age and maturity. And so as we go through and look at James's letter, which is an interesting, it's an interesting letter because I, I will say this from an English perspective, I guess one of the, the, the reasons I am drawn to the book of James or to the letter of James is because it is full of imperatives. They're not rhetorical statements or questions, that, but they're imperatives. And so as we consider all of these imperatives that we're going to look at as we go through this letter that James writes, hopefully it will help us see where we are and where we need to go to. When you read all of James's letter and you go through all five of the chapters of James, the major emphasis in James's letter is that if a person's faith is genuine, if a person's faith is genuine, then it will prove itself during difficult and troubling times. You will see it. Does that mean that we don't have periods where we have difficulty or we struggle? No. But in the, but the, in the end of it, during the difficult and troubling process, at some point in time, it will be very evident of who we place our trust and faith into. I will say this as well. Psalm 121 and verse number 1 and 2. I will lift up mine eyes 
unto the hills where my help comes from. I will trust in the Lord. And so, you know, we read that. And, so, and, and here's what we often do. When it comes to the, we're real good at, at quoting and memorizing. We're real good at storing all of this in our heads is knowledge. But my dear friend, if all you have done is stored up a bunch of biblical knowledge, then you've not grown up spiritually. It's taking that knowledge. It's taking what James writes in his letter here, and it's about living it out. It's a genuine faith. Just as Paul wrote to the church at Galatia, he says, so if you, if you, if you live in the Spirit, then here's what you ought to do. You ought to walk in the Spirit. We don't walk after the flesh anymore. We walk after the who? We walk after the Spirit because as a believer, the Spirit lives with inside of us. And so therefore, who do we rely on in our lives each day? I will say this. The Scripture mentions several purposes for the testing and the trials that we experience as believers. And I'm going to tell you, that's what James begins his letter with. James talks about his relationship between God, and I want you to notice, here's something interesting in his letter, the way he starts his letter. He refers to himself as a bondservant from the Greek word doulos. And here's what it means. It means servant. And so he he refers to himself as a bondservant, but I want you to notice who he refers to himself as a bondservant of. Of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ. Showing that relationship between the two of them. He said, I'm a bondservant of God and the Lord Jesus Christ. This James that is writing this letter is none other than the half-brother of Jesus Christ himself. And so as James writes this letter to us in verse 2, he says, to the 12 tribes who are dispersed abroad greetings. Great persecution. The Jews have been scattered. The believers have been scattered all around. They're going through intense persecution. But I will say this, this letter that James is writing here is for all believers. And it's applicable to all believers. The Jews would have been very, very knowledgeable when it comes to the 12 tribes who are dispersed. Because there had been multiple times that the tribes of Israel themselves as a whole had been dispersed. And found themselves under bondage. Found themselves under a time or a period of difficulty. And it's not any different now. And my dear friend, I I will share this to you. It's not any different for us today where we find ourselves... Look at the world that we live in around us, the evil that just seems like it, it just never stops. And matter of fact, it just seems to increase and get worse. And matter of fact, you get to the point you just don't want to turn the news on anymore because you think it, it can't get any worse than what it is. And then all of a sudden you hear something and boom, here we are back in the process again. Another killing last night and another one this morning. Mass shootings, okay, in two other locations around the country. And so the question becomes is, how, how, do, you, how do you live in this? How do, you, how, do you be, how do you become the light that you need to be in, a, in an evil and a dark world that just seems to be absolutely spinning out of control? Testings and trials, when they come to the life of the believer, beginning in verse number 2, as James continues his letter, he says, count it all joy. We're just going to kind of stop and pause there for just a moment. 
You know, the scripture mentions several purposes for the testing and trials that we experience as believers. And let me just kind of give you a few of them. This is not exhaustive by any means. I just, I just right off quickly off the top of my head, jotted some down, and here they are. They test the strength of our faith. They are allowed by God to humble us. Matter of fact, I think of Paul writing in 2 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse number 7 when he speaks about the thorn in the flesh that he had. And also, they help to wean us from our dependence on, on, dependence on worldly things. To move our dependence from those things that we can see, those things that are physical, those things that are worldly, and get them to understand and for us to understand that our dependence is on God and not on the things around us. They help focus our attention on the eternal and the heavenly hope. Matter of fact, I was thinking about it yesterday. I was out walking around and just just thinking and thinking about what it must be going to be like one day when we go home to be with the Lord. But don't allow yourself to become so heavenly minded that you're no earthly good either. You can't walk around with your head stuck up in the clouds all the time. It'd be great if we were able to go on home and be with him. But it's like Paul said, I have a desire to do that. But I also understand that I have a great work that needs to be accomplished here. And all of us do. As long as we're still here, as long as we're still breathing, as long as the Lord Jesus Christ is not we have work to do. They also help reveal what we really love. And then they help build endurance and continue growing in our faith. That's just, just, just very quickly some of the reasons why trials and testing comes to our lives. But I will say this to you. There's not anybody in this auditorium this morning who is exempt from them. And I guarantee you right now, if I were to ask by a show of hands, and I'm not going to, how many of you are finding yourselves right now in the middle of a test or a trial? You could raise your hand need to it's just for you <clears throat> James is getting ready to write verse 2 here's the first thing that James is going to do and I thought it was interesting that he begins this passage of scripture with the attitude that we should have when we find ourselves in the middle of testing and trials Verse number two, he says, count it all joy. And I want you to notice the next two words, my brethren. He's speaking to believers here. When you encounter various trials, not if you will, it's when you do. Because I will tell you, you will. The persecution that, were t- that was taking place, as James is writing this, I want you to notice that he begins verse 2 with an imperative. He says, count it all joy. Now, how do you do that? Well, I can say this to you this morning. It's, that's, that's a lot easier. That's a lot easier said than done. Especially when we find ourselves in the middle of whatever it may be. It may be sitting across the, the desk from a doctor that delivers a, a diagnosis that we don't want to hear. Maybe it's financial. Maybe it's some financial issues that has come into our life for some reason. We don't understand why they're there, but they're there. Maybe it's the loss of a child. Maybe it's the loss of a, of a close. What, the list just goes on and on. 
But as a believer, how do we count it all joy when we find ourselves in the middle? And God in growing us knows what we need in our lives every day. So guess what? He allows us to go through testing and he allows us to go through trials. For what reason? To grow us up is what he's doing. And how many of us stun our growth because of our refusal to grow during the process? How many of us stunt our spiritual growth because of our failure to walk by faith? Instead, we want to walk by sight. Count it all joy. Oh, by, Hold on. What I'm not talking about is when you drive up into the parking lot, okay, at the church, and it's been a hectic discussion in the vehicle, okay? And no one is pleased with each other in the vehicle, okay? But there's something magic about pulling up in this parking lot and exiting the vehicle. That vehicle door comes open. There's a transformation that takes place at that moment. And all of a sudden, everything is all joy and peace. Good morning, brother and sister. We're here to worship the Lord. Let me tell you this, James is not speaking about just acting joyful. But we should be genuinely joyful. What do we mean genuinely joyful? It's a joy that comes from deep within inside of our hearts. Because watch this, if you're walking in the Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit is Love, joy, see that joy there? It's not an acting joy. That's, that's a joy that comes as a result of being in a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. It's a, it's a joy that comes as a result of allowing the Holy Spirit to work in our lives. And let me say this, that joy this morning it's, it's a matter of will, not feelings. It's a matter of will, not feelings. You say, well, Brother Robert, that's all right. That's James's letter. Understand what he's trying to get across. Well, James isn't the only one. Just hold on. James isn't the only one. Paul wrote about it. Turn with me to Philippians chapter number 2. Philippians chapter number 2. And I know everybody says, you know, the, the, the letter to the church at Philippi was all about rejoicing in joy. All right, it is, but Paul had a reason, okay? Notice as Paul writes, Philippians chapter 2. And, and, and this, is, this, is, this is the part that I want you to see. He says, but, but even if I'm being poured out as a drink offering... There's just nothing else to come. Upon the sacrifice and service of your faith. Notice what he says. I rejoice. He said, I rejoice in, in, in what else? And share my joy with you all. He said, and I share my joy with you all. You too, I urge you. Rejoice in the same way. And share your joy with me. 
Let me tell you something. We all need it. There ain't, listen, there ain't a, there's not a single person in this auditorium this morning that doesn't need that joy. Every one of us needs that joy. Look down at chapter 3 of Philippians and look at verse 7. And verse 8, as Paul continues to write, because let me tell you what it does. It shows you where Paul's focus was. As I said earlier, testing and trial helps draw our attention back to the heavenly and get it off the earthly. So notice what Paul writes in chapter 3 and verse 7. But whatever things were gained to me, those things I have counted as loss for the sake of Christ. More than that, I count all things to be lost. In view of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and count them but rubbish so that I might what? So that I may gain Christ. That's where Paul's priority was. Is understanding that relationship that he had with Jesus Christ and as a result of that and knowing that relationship, then joy comes as a result of that. Let me say this to you. It's not a put on joy. It's not something that we just wake up and decide that, hey, we're going to put it back on today. As Warren Wearsby wrote, I found this just, it, it caught me. And, here's what, and here's, what, here's what he wrote. He said, if we value the material and physical more than the spiritual, we will not be able to count it all joy. Uh, it just kind of spun me around. I said, what a statement, okay? What a statement. Think about it. Let me read it to you one more time. If we value the material and physical more than the spiritual, we will not be able to count it all joy. I'll tell you why. Because our attention is on the physical and not on the spiritual. That's the difficulty. Next, let's go back to James chapter 1, verse 3. Now, there's, there's some words that I want you to notice in verse 2 through verse number 12. It's the word count, the word know, and the words let. Okay? You'll see them. Count, know, and let. When we come to verse number 3, I want you to notice what he says. Because verse 3 is connected back around to verse 2 to the imperative of count it all joy. Count. Okay? How can you do that? Well, he gives us the answer in verse number 3. Knowing. You see that? Knowing. Knowing what? In other words, the Greek word there is gnosko. It's knowing. In other words, having the knowledge to know that based upon what Jesus Christ has done for me and walking in the Spirit, guess what? Now I can count it all joy knowing what? Well, look at verse 3. He says, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience or endurance. It produces patience. or How many of y'all have all the patience in the world that you need in here today? How many of y'all could use a little more? How many of you are just right? I hate to tell you this, but God knows your heart, okay? Patience or endurance. What allows us to be able... What allows us to be able to continue on? This knowing. James writes about our accepting what the scripture says concerning trials and testings. We know they're coming. 
We know they're coming. And in case you weren't told this, but as a believer, when you get when you become a born again child of God, I hate to tell you this, nowhere does the scripture or God himself promise you that it's going to be a bed of roses. I can say this, here's what David said. David said this in all of his difficulty. David said, I've never seen the righteous forsaken or his seed begging bread. Why? You ready for this? God knows where you are. Where the difficulty comes in is we try to ignore that he knows where we are. And so guess what? We start trying to fix everything. But James says, knowing. You can count it all joy. Why? Because you know. Because you know that the testing of your faith produces endurance or patience. That's that's what they're designed for. It's to grow us. It's to cause our endurance to grow. It's to cause our patience to grow. As we look at the world around us, you see, enduring, here, here it comes, enduring makes our faith grow stronger. It does. It does. It makes our faith grow stronger. Matter of fact, flip just back a couple of pages and look at Hebrews chapter number 11. Hebrews chapter number 11. You know, we got all these cliches about Hebrews chapter 11, okay? It's the hall of faith, okay? But that's not all that there is. Matter of fact, Hebrews chapter number 11 says there's not enough room to list all of them. But I want you to notice what it says. And I'm not going to read all the way through it, but here's, here's what I want you. I just want you to get... I just want you to get the message here, okay? By faith, Abel offered to God. By faith, Enoch was taken up so that he would not see death. By faith, Noah, being warned by God about things not yet seen. By faith, Abraham, when he was called, obeyed by going out to a place which he was to receive for an inheritance. And he went out not knowing where he was going. By faith, even Sarah. And the list, just, the list goes on. As you work your way down, by faith, Abraham. By faith, Isaac. By faith, Jacob. By faith, Joseph. You see all of them down through there. And my my question today, would our name be included there by faith? Place your name there. When When we find ourselves in one of those difficult places, when we find ourselves in one of those difficult moments, or we find ourselves under one of those places where God has something for us, would we be able to say, God, whatever it is, I'm in. Or do we do it this way? Well, let me see. I need to make sure that all the, t- the I's are dotted, all the T's are crossed. Dump, 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 dump. Plan A, B, C, and D. Okay, God, I got all this on this side. Then I think we can go on the other side. Here's the way it ought to be. God, I'm ready to go. Now what do I need to do to prepare? Next, as James continues his letter, verse number four is an interesting verse. And let endurance have its perfect result so that you may be perfect and complete, 
lacking in nothing. What is James writing about here? Well, the result that comes from considering and knowing and walking by faith. The result of that is this. It's maturity. It's completeness. It's not lacking in anything of spiritual importance or value. You notice I didn't say physical. I said spiritual. Well, Peter wrote about this. Flip over to 1 Peter chapter number 5. 1 Peter chapter 5. I want you to notice as he's closing this letter, 1 Peter chapter 5, verse number 10. And notice what he writes. And after you have suffered for a little while, the God of all grace, who called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself perfect, confirm, strengthen, and what? Establish you. It's called maturing. It's called growing. It's what James in chapter 1 and verse number 4 is talking about. And let this patience or endurance have its perfect result in maturing us, in completing us, so that we what? So that we lack nothing when it comes to our relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. I have a question. How many of us miss out on so much that God has for us because of our unwillingness to grow up? It's tough. I will tell you. Uh, Let me tell you what we're getting ready to do over the next few weeks. We're talking about practical Christianity here. And it's easy. It is is easy, okay? It's easy to, to, to say it, but it's another thing to do it. So how do you get your hands around all this? I mean, consider it all joy. When they come, knowing in our hearts that they're going to come, but knowing in our hearts that God is fully aware of all of it and that he's provided the means for us to walk through them. By giving us two things, his word and the Holy Spirit. As we read and study the word of God and we allow the Holy Spirit of God to teach us the word of God. And as we see all of these things unfold in his testing and trial, one of the things that should be our response is, okay, God, what is it that you want me to learn through this? What is it that you have for me that I need to learn through this? I mean, here's what we often look at. We often think of it this way. Well, why is God picking on me? I want you to notice James never says anything about God picking on anybody. They're going to come. Why are they going to come? It's for growing us up. Getting our dependence off of the world things. and Getting our dependence on God where it belongs. Considering and understanding, even from the model prayer, when Jesus taught his disciples how to pray, he said, not my will be done, but your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. 
When we begin to walk down this path and we begin to grow and mature in our lives, then let me tell you what happens. Our will is moved to the side and the will of God is put in place first. Whatever that is. Why? Understanding and realizing that we have an eternal inheritance that is unlike anything the world has ever seen. Next. So how do you get your hands around all of this? Well, look at verse number 5. Notice what he says. But if any of you lacks wisdom, if any of you lacks wisdom, I want you to notice that's not the word, okay? It's the word let. Let him ask of God who gives to all generously and without reproach, and it will be given to him. Aren't you glad we can go to God and ask for godly wisdom in the situations that we find ourselves and not have to be concerned? Well, why did you wait so long to come ask? Well, you may not have been in this part of it, or you may not have been in this situation if you'd have just started with me at the beginning. Aren't you glad God doesn't do it that way? Hey, if we need wisdom, let me tell you what, everyone in this auditorium, parent, grandparent, aunt, uncle, I don't care who you are, what we need more of today is a dose of godly wisdom. That's what we need. Not worldly wisdom, godly wisdom. What does the Word of God say? What does the Holy Spirit expect out of us? How should we live? How should we respond each day? How should we act each day? In the world that we live in, to be the light and the salt that we need to be. You see, strong, sound faith is not based on feelings, but it is based on knowledge and understanding of the promises of God. And I will say this to you this morning. You'll not know what those promises are if you're not in there finding out where they are. And by the way, they're not hidden. They're for us. God gave them to us. And let me say what this is. And let me, let me go ahead and put the conclusion on That's what godly wisdom is. Listen, I, 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 I don't consider myself a believer because of how I feel today. Because quite frankly, there are times and there are periods in my own life even now that I don't necessarily feel born again. But my being born again is not based on a feeling. My being born again is based on the word of God and the promise of God himself. It is based on the promised of Jesus Christ and the finished work of Jesus Christ on the cross of God. That's what my salvation is based on, not a feeling. The asking, let me share this with you this morning. As James is relating to us here, the asking is a divine command. It is not just advice. It says, let him ask of God. Let into, in other words, to let. It's not advice. If we're to live, this is the way we should live each day. Turn with me back to First Peter, 
uh, chapter 1. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 3 through verse number 6. And I want you to notice as Peter writes for us some more. 1 Peter chapter 1, beginning in verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his great mercy has caused us to be born again to a living hope. I want you to see it's a living hope. It ain't a dead hope. It's a living hope. It's alive. Through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to obtain an inheritance which is imperishable and undefiled and will not fade away, reserved in heaven for you, who are protected by the power of God through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. In this, you what? You greatly rejoice. In what? In what he just finished writing. It's in what you have in Jesus Christ. That's why we can rejoice. That's why we can have joy. Never will we have joy within ourselves apart from Christ. I didn't say anything about being happy. Because I can tell you, there are quite frankly, there are times I'm just not happy. But that doesn't mean my joy is gone. Circumstances affect our happiness. Our joy is found in Jesus Christ. And then next, James speaks of a humble spirit. If we go back to James chapter number 1, he speaks of a humble spirit. Notice James writes, But the brother of humble circumstances is to glory in his high position. And the rich man is to glory in his humiliation because like flowering grass, he will pass away. For the sun rises with a scorching wind and withers the grass and, it, and its flower falls off and the beauty of its appearance is destroyed. So too the rich man in the midst of his pursuits will fade away. Well, when you ask for the wisdom of God without doubting by faith, Believing and trusting God that he's going to give it to you. Then I'm going to tell you something. We don't have to be like a, a double-minded man. Unstable. Walking around, trying to figure out what's up or down. Which way I'm going. It doesn't, it doesn't have to be. But as James writes on, he says, But the brother of humble circumstances is to glory in his high position. Do you realize what we have in Christ? Have you ever stopped and thought about that? Have you ever thought and considered it? Our suffering for just a little while here on the face of this earth is going to move us to a place of our inheritance that we would never, ever begin to even fathom what that's going to be like. So let me ask you a question. Why is it so easy here to get so sideways and to get so out of place with God knowing what he has for us? And to look at it from this perspective, if I could get you to look at it from this perspective, I want to be more like him. Well, in order for me to be more like him, 
there are certain things that are going to have to change in my life. And so guess what? The testing and the trials bring that about. And then in verse 10, he says, And the rich man is the glory in his humiliation or in his humbleness. Is it wrong to have money? No. Is it wrong to have riches? No. When we consider who we are and what's been placed into our hands. Humility, the humbleness. And to be humble does not mean to be weak. Humbleness is a demonstration of the relationship that we have with the Lord. The poor believer should rejoice in their spiritual riches and the rich man should glory in his humility. Matter of fact, that's what Paul wrote about in Romans chapter 8. We're heirs, joint heirs with Jesus Christ as believers. One day, okay, I tell you what, turn with me there real quick. Romans chapter 8. Because I'm going to connect Romans chapter 8, verse 16 through verse 18 with James chapter 1. Romans chapter 8, verse 16 through verse 18. So the Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are the children of God. And so if children, then we're heirs also. Heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ. If indeed we suffer with him so that we may also be glorified with him. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory that is to be revealed to us. My dear friend, listen to me. As we go through trials, as we go through testing, as we go through periods of suffering, get your eyes off of the world around you and get them on Jesus Christ where they should be. That's what he's saying. That's what James is writing. Let's go back to James chapter 1. And I'll finish up. You see, passing the test and allowing our faith to grow is what's key here. It's being in it for the long haul. It's sticking it out. It's having endurance when things get bad. It's having endurance when things are good. It's having endurance when questions flood us from every side but knowing that God's in control of it all. So to close this morning, let me share this with you. Verse 12. James chapter 1, verse 12. Blessed is a man, or happy is a man, who perseveres under what? Under trial. For once he has been approved, he will receive the crown of life which the Lord has promised to those who what? Who love him. It, we're in it for the long haul. We're in it when times get bad. We're in it when times are good. We're in it when questions come from every side to flood us and we just don't know why. Just persevere. Just persevere. Because it looks something like this. First the suffering, then the glory. First the suffering, 
than the glory. And if I could encourage your hearts with this this morning, it would be this. Trials are not to punish us. Trials are not to punish us, but to what? But to prove us. They're not to punish us, but they're to prove us. Heirs and joint heirs with Christ. Our inheritance that we have as believers, when the difficulties of life come every day, I will lift up my eyes to the hills where my help comes from. I will trust in the 